Martin! Martin! Jobber Talk with Martin! Jobber Talk with Martin! And welcome to Jobber Talk, my name is Martin, and today's episode, we will review MWF 9 Oros ng Liwanag, which happened last week at the Venice Grand Canal Mall. We were in the chosen land of Taguig for the second time at a free mall show by Manila Wrestling Federation. But before that, I would like to get this out of the way, as everyone may have known or should know. The MWF has acquired or, well, someone has debuted officially at Manila Wrestling Federation at MWF 9. And his name is Classical Brian Leo. If you do not know who he is, he is a former PWR champion. He's formerly also the president of PWR until he left two years back because of some backstage issues that he, you know, he might have caused. And you also remember him from last year as he was one of the guys who was part of Art of War Wrestling, which had their show last year at BGC, at the Valkyrie, no less. And he is a former PWR champion, former AOWW champion. And now he is, I guess, part of the Maniloverse as he attacked Mr. Lucha. Now, I'd like to share my personal feelings uh, or opinion about this signing and I'd like to say that I don't really like this move by MWF acquiring him or using him nor am I okay with it because I see MWF as they don't need him right now they can do other moves like there's a lot of quote-unquote free agents out there and if you were there at McKinley Hill that day you would have noticed that one or two familiar faces in the crowd area are now young boys and yes they were also part of brian leo and art of war wrestling last year but there might be even more of them as young boys and we don't even know them so there you already got one or two extra talent bases after you debuted brian leo and the nuke that same night and i'm asking myself well you got those guys i i'm pretty sure you don't need to max contract hoodie mellow aka brian leo who did debut here as a guy in the hooded figure. And second of all, it's kind of hard because he has a very checkered past. Or let's just say he is a personality in this industry that's very, very... This has a very interesting reaction to most of the people in the scene. Like some would say he's very good on the mic. Some would say, hey, he, he almost took PWR out of business with what he did but again that's my view about it uh, okay we can't do nothing about it it happened already it happened this Saturday there's nothing else we can do but watch and see so that's what I'm gonna do I'll watch and see I mean like something similar of this thing this Brian Leo MWF thing can be seen in NBA years back when no, not even years back, like just a year or two ago when the Houston Rockets signed Carmelo Anthony. And I think it kind of messed them up just like it messed up OKC. Like these are two teams that are on the rise, but when they signed Hoodie Mello, well, what they wanted is not what they got. 
I hope that's not the case here with MWF and the Brian Leo kind of partnership here. I mean, we'll see. Like, time will tell because he just debuted. And I'll talk about that more when it happens during this review. But you got to wait for it because it's like near the end. But like I said, I don't like it. I'm not okay with it. But MWF and Brian Leo did it. So, okay, we'll see what happens next. Now, thank you guys for listening to me rant for like, what, five minutes about the same damn thing over and over and just spun around. Now let's finally go on to the review because I'm pretty sure I kind of wasted your five minutes just ranting. The first match was a dark match between Black Shirt Guy and Red Shirt Guy who we always fondly called Kali Nueva Skuya. And now he has like a rapper-like gimmick aside from the red shirt and first and foremost this guy started to be like a good guy like when the black shirt got down he extended his hand and helped him up and he didn't even do a cheap shot but on the other hand when the black guy helped pull red guy up he did grab him but he pulls him and attacks red guy and i guess that means the black shirt guy was the bad guy in this match i like the back and forth between these two and i'm excited to see both men be in the main roster and i'm pretty sure that red t-shirt guy is gonna be because you'll see him you'll see more of this guy later on in a match between rg and kick striker and the red shirt guy did win after delivering a running fist drop for the three count Though the count was a bit confusing because I'm not sure if it was three because he counted the three or the ref had to count it because black shirt guy got hurt. Either way, red shirt guy wins. And then we get a video package like someone's doing a we will rock you thing. We don't know who it is, but part of me was saying this might be Coach Gus, man. This might be Coach Gus who's coming out in the ring. With a we will, we will rock you kind of thing, right? So I'm very excited about that. A bit confused, but a bit excited as well. Now, speaking of exciting, we got to see Bendetta yet again. And he performed the Manila Wrestling Federation theme song live inside the MWF ring. And moments later, Kyle Season was there to join him. And they started to sing Stupid Love. Uh, you know, props to Kyle Season. He was good on the mic. And yes, uh, I gotta agree that he, he does rap good. And uh, he had to do the heavy lifting on Bendetta for the Stupid Love thing. So I like the nice back and forth between him and Bendetta after the song. Like he was ribbing Bendetta. You know, I, I could have done it better without you, Bendetta. No offense. I'm talented as shit, man. And I think Bendetta didn't like that because when Kyle Season extended his hand, they did shake hand. But Bendetta was like, nah, nah, kid, I'm pissed at you. I close on you right now. Uh, close line to Kyle Season. Come on, Bendetta. Don't do that to my boy, Kyle Season. And now we got a new video. It was with the Liwanag. It was how they open it, showing some graphic bad stuff in it like protests like war and then the only answer is Bainang Liwanag Liwanag 
So the Bainang Liwanag people come out. That's Moises Liwanag, Jomar, Jomar the mother train, and Sister Jarrell at ringside. And they got three people in for a prayer thing. So they got Attorney Pepper, they got Joseph Montesilio, and they got some jabroni named Martin, who was kind of look, he kind of looks like me, but he's a stinking jabroni. They were preyed upon by the crowd and the Liwanags. And afterwards, we hear Coco Gus Queens coming after well in between that he also healed a uh, guy with a sling arm sling so yes the power of Moises Liwanag has yet again healed someone with a broken arm just like two years ago when he healed Tarek at MCS Arena now Coco Gus comes out and sings we are the champions my friend and the f crowd, just like last time, was still divided. They were chanting, You deserve it. No, he doesn't. You deserve it. No, he doesn't. Like, imagine. That, that's like a very divided, divisive cup of feds inside the MWF ringside area. And, and speaking about the crowd, the cup of feds, Coco Gus says that he will treat everyone. Because starting tonight, and sadly I, I didn't do the pre-order, they were selling the CDs of MWF's original soundtrack for $1.99. Hopefully in the next show, we can just buy it on the show itself because I kind of forgot to buy it at $1.99. In between that, he does try to hit up on Jarrell, tries to flirt with her, but coach, uh, I suggest you don't because... We want a coach commissioner for the next few shows to be alive and well. She's scary. Stay away from the scary lady. Um, speaking of Coach Gus, he also dissed Mike Shannon and again questioned Mike Shannon's sexuality, which is kind of low. But then again, coming from Coach Gus's character, I, I guess that's how he rolls. And after that, we get a match between Rex Lowen versus the young blood of Frankie 13 and Morgan Vaughn. It's a two-on-one handicap match and apparently it's no disqualification. Huh. The match starts with Rex Lowen getting a two-on-one assault by Frankie 13 and Morgan Vaughn. However, Frankie 13 gets tossed out of the ringside area by Rex Lowen and it would be Morgan Vaughn and Rex Lowen inside the ring one-on-one. Rex delivers the punishment on the glitch, delivers a huge body slam on Morgan Vaughn, and the glitch himself gets the hell out of the ring. So with him out of the ring, he chases Morgan Vaughn, but gets speared by Frankie 13 outside. The young blood double team Rex Lowen inside the ring, while we get to hear a you still suck chance on Frankie 13. Frankie says he is bored, so he gets a actually a party at ringside. So we hear the uh, a certain familiar tune, which I will be linking down below. So while they're having a young blood party, they also bring out a cane and start beating up Rex Lowen in the ring with it. However, Rex Lowen fights back against the young blood, but he gets stunned by Frankie 13. He tosses Rex outside and 
While they were outside, the party continues. At one point, we get to see the referee dance. And outside ring, we get to see Morgan Vaughn dancing on a crowd member. And a very interesting scene here is that while most of the fans, well, a portion of the fans at ringside were asking where's the mayo, they do get mayo because Frankie 13 actually had the sachet of mayo on him while they entered ringside before the match started and they used it after they restrained Rex Lowen and forced fed him that mayo during the Young Blood party. Now, if you're asking where the Mayo reference is, it's actually from a weird YouTube series we have watched recently called Youngblood High School. You gotta check it out in the YouTube. Hopefully, I still have the link. I can link it on the, uh, the page where you're gonna download this episode or stream it. So, please check it out. It has Mayo in it and it has Jomar the... Uh, Jomar the motherfucking train. Oh, there you go. Thank you, random robotic voice. Back in the ring, we get to see an amazing senton bomb by Frankie13, but it only garnered a two count. And Rex Lowen catches Frankie13 midair with a huge super kick to the face. And then he grabs Frankie, delivers the Rex trigger, pins him for the win. And I guess you can say after a 2-1-1 match, it was still Rex Lowen on top of the Youngbloods. After the match... He gets double teamed and there's a lot of boring chants on Frankie. So while he gets restrained by the young blood, Frankie gets on the mic again and says thou it's time for Rex Lowen to kiss his feet. And they kind of forced you know Rex Lowen to kiss the boot of Frankie 13. Now after the match we are treated to a live a live feed video from the backstage and we see Luchadonna, Canto Terror, or sorry, Canto Kilabo Terror, and Mr. Lucha. We have no idea what they're saying because there were audio problems and we will experience this mute video every time they do shift to a live video feed either backstage or outside the ringside area. Now, while it kind of sucks to know that, it's very, very interesting to see how they do it moving forward because now we know they have the technology and the means to do a live video backstage segment compared to like the pre-tapes that we saw last show. There will be pre-taped videos here as well, but you know, there's a certain kind of live feel to it when you get a segment, a video segment, either this fed or pwr or any other fed here in the philippines just to get that kind of technology in so if by next show they get some audio in, in the live feed it will be so awesome and want to know what else is awesome giving away two free tickets to a play and let's just say someone i know got lucky during that segment of Stop Kiss featuring Tarek El Tayek and two of his cast members. But while they were celebrating the win, a certain commissioner, Coach Gus Queens, entered and said something about Sodom and Gomorrah. Why is Gomorrah? Why is Gomorrah? Uh, or something like that, and says that this is very immoral, yet. For some reason, he also wanted to get a kiss by the two cast members of Tarek. So Tarek told him to close his eyes 
so the ladies would kiss him. But instead of getting a kiss, he gets two slaps by the ladies. One each by the ladies, by the way. And he does get a kiss on the lips, but it's from Tarek. So, oh my goodness. That was very, very distracting, man. And very shocky. But speaking of big shockers, we got something after the segment. A huge debut for MWF. Months after he resurfaced at the Gus Global WrestleFest, we get to see the nuke. The man formerly from Art of War Wrestling facing a white shirt guy in a very nice match. Nuke used his strength to deliver some hard attacks on the white shirt guy, delivering some hard shoulder charges on the corner as well as some very, very mighty sounding chops. There's a huge spine buster by the nuke, but before he could get the win, he misses his spear attempt. And there are a couple of nice suplexes by white shirt guy on the nuke. However, nuke powers out the third suplex attempt, delivers a huge clothesline that almost beheads his opponent. And finally, nuclear launch detected baby, delivers the hard hitting spear. One, two, three, the nuke gets his win for the first time inside the MWF ring. And I'm telling you, maybe big things are coming from this big guy. But speaking of big things, I got to give a shout out to the guy he fought here in this ring. He's pretty skilled with the suplexes. So I can't wait to see this unnamed white shirt guy go at it inside this ring once more. And now... We get another segment by the, uh, how do I say this? The Bahay ng Liwanag. There was Moises Liwanag and Sister Jarel still not transformed into the scary Jarel. And of course, John Mar the motherfucking train. And they introduce PACRG, the political consultant of Coco Gus. He comes out with a, I think, a bodyguard and a board that looks like a matrix with faces and people. Once he enters the ring, he thanks Coco Gus supporters. And he asks, don't you want some change? We have a matrix here of the destabilizers of Coco Gus. And then most of the fans were not so happy to hear him because they th think that he sold out. Well, we all think he sold out to coach Gus after like graduating and before he could speak up more Fabio Makisig and Kyle Season enter ringside Fabio delivers a few disses of his own on RG saying that he studied yet you aligned with someone like Gus Queens and what idiot would join Gus Queens like Fabio admits that yeah he wants money so he can be Mapera, but he still has his own principles. RG tells Fabio that Gus is a fair dude. In fact, he has a gift for Fabio McKeesick. A one-on-one -on -one match against this unnamed green shirt guy who would attack Fabio McKeesick. He delivers a huge powerbomb on Fabio that sends them down. And Fabio gets up at the count of eight from the referee. 
Fabio does fight back and eventually conquers his opponent with a buzzsaw kick and a quick victory for the three count. After the match, Fabio Makisic said he does not patronize anyone, especially Gus Queens. He asks his opponent what his name was. The opponent tells him his name is Lucas. And with that, Fabio invites Lucas to join him and not stick with Coach Gus because just like what happened to Rex Lowen in the past, Coach Gus will just use you. Lucas thinks about it and eventually agrees. He joins Fabio and Kyle for this duo to be a trio. And this is going to be an interesting group going forward with Lucas joining Fabio and Kyle Season. Now speaking of RG, we get to see a very short segment, a pre-taped segment featuring his former buddy, Gig Striker and Canto Terror in a movie called Ikasamo Ipuputokko. It was a brief video as well because it featured him and KT inside a bar and then there was this brawl between them and four people which ended with a bottle shot on the head of Gig Striker and that was it. And there was more Gig Striker in the next match as he faced Pack RG one on one inside the squared circle. It's like Two years ago, the first time these two met was at MCS Arena and RG answered the open challenge of Gig Striker. Fast forward to 2019 and here they are inside the MWF ring with Pac RG not even quote unquote remembering who Gig Striker is. This was a very interesting yet short match with Gigs trying to talk RG out of the fight, even saying, Kay pigan kita and so on and so forth there was even one time when he was about to do the asintado on RG while he was down but he couldn't have the heart to do it imagine trying to beat up your friend and getting the win but you just can't you just can't because that's your friend and Giggs really relayed that message to the audience that time and it was very effective however RG was willing to do the opposite and doing whatever it takes to win even threatening the referee that she'll be fired if she tried to you know disqualify him or even not go to do his bidding such as ring the bell while RG had the asintado sharpshooter on gig striker and that's how he won via ref stoppage or quote-unquote submission victory on Gig Striker. After the match, we saw the red shirt guy from the first match and he was throwing eggs at RG, claiming that he turned his back on him and the cause. So I guess this is another ghost of RG's past that comes back to haunt him. Not just Gig Striker, no, but also this red shirt guy. And we did see them the whole show, so we gotta see them in Tag Team Action. It's Bahay ng Liwanag featuring Jorel in her scary form and Brother Jomar. Jomar the mother train. Oh God, come on. I didn't even cue you. Don't do that. Versus Kanto Kilabo Terror and Lucha Donna. This is kind of a cool tag team, by the way, because both Lucha Donna and Kanto Kilabo Terror hail from Mandaluyong City, baby. And this is very interesting to see, like, both Kanto Terror and Joe Marley Wanag 
We're doing some hard-hitting offense. I have yet to see Kanto Terror do back in his old, you know, Kanto Terror days. Even the corner chops, the flurry chops. This time, you can really, really hear the echoing slaps. Now, go back to seeing Kanto Terror way back at PWR. He does the same move, but this this Kanto Kilabo Terror has a different vibe to him with that corner chops. I know it's just one move, but yikes. There's a big leap of improvement, or there's a bit of improvement. I, I can't say it, but there is some... There is more oomph to his offense recently, and I like that. But speaking of oomph, sad to say the team of Luchadona and Kanto Kilabo Terror succumbed to the submission holds of both Jarrell and Jomar, giving the Bahay ng Niwanag their first victory of the show. Oh, now we're gonna talk about the next match. It's Kyle Season versus Mr. Lucha. And these guys have a history because before Kyle Season was a mentee of Mr. Lucha, and you know what happened with that <laughs> like he got chokeslammed for his troubles so i feel it's more on lucha than it is on kyle as to what kyle is doing right now so it was a nice little revenge match for kyle season and he started it off by having mr lucha chase him because a he's the more agile and quicker person between the two and b he and Fabio thinks that this might work and this might tire out Mr. Lucha. And they did that for like two to three times. And my God, it was super effective, like a Pokemon move. And in between the chases, we'd see Fabio Makisig accidentally tying his shoelace and bumping into Lucha, you know, giving Kyle Season more breathing room as Lucha was chasing him around the ringside. Well, at one point, it worked, and Lucha was almost out of gas, making Kyle Season lock him up with a few holds before the masked wrestler reaches the ropes to break the pin. A rear naked choke on Lucha yet again, and it converts into a side headlock by Season, but Lucha reaches the ropes yet again. Kyle Season goes on top of Lucha and ugh, dry humps his former mentor and reigns in the punches. He locks in something on Mr. Lucha, but Mr. Lucha uses his unmanly strength to lift up Season and drop him down to the mat. Sadly, the ref goes down, and while he's down, Kyle delivers a low blow, but nothing happens to Lucha. Lucha reveals he has a crotch guard and delivers a discus punch to his former mentee and a DVDX for good measure. With Kyle down, Lucha tries to pin him, but the referee is down as well. So instead, he he hugs him. It was kind of confusing, but maybe just maybe there was a part of Mr. Lucha that still cares for this young kid. But all the emotions and all the love in the world by Mr. Lucha was not enough to save him from a brutal kick by Fabio Makisig. Lucha goes down. The referee slowly recovers. Kyle goes on to pin Lucha. Gets the pinfall victory on his former mentor. And leaves the ringside as the victorious one of this matchup. Now, it's not over for Mr. Lucha this night. 
as afterwards we get Gus Queens on the mic yet again and he has revealed to us that there's more solid GGS people in the MWF now. In fact, he has invited a multi-titled champion to the ringside area to meet Mr. Lucha and out comes a random guy in a light yellow hoodie who would attack Mr. Lucha, drive him down to the mat, and reveal himself to be none other than classical Brian Leo. He does his usual spiel of one, two, three, would you please look at me, and ends his segment saying to Lucha and to everyone that the Maniloverse got upgraded to first class, and believe me, it's for your own Good. Well, the crowd does react, and one of them says, It's Brian Leo. But most of the people who reacted were from my section, and we kind of know who he was. So I think this was the part where some people also walked out, because it's Brian Leo. However, like, I think Joseph said this on his review, that the reactions weren't that much it's like they don't even know brian leo and that could be seen as a bad thing or a good thing bad in the sense that if mwf wanted people to be shocked and recognize this guy like if everyone recognized him and they'd pop huge like boo huge or something it works but it didn't and it can also be seen as a good thing because it means that he's starting over to zero and if MWF would want that, that means they're going to have fun building him up to be a legit threat to Mr. Lucha. And there's already a backstory there. Uh, you know, go to the f- previous episodes we had here on Jobber Talk, my interview with William Elvin and with Mikers, because they'd tell you that Mr. Lucha was one of those guys who've left PWR during the presidency of one Brian Leo. There's a backstory there already that could be worked into this storyline, I think. But who knows? It's time for us to check it out in the next few shows, if ever that does occur. But speaking of that, it really shocked me personally that I couldn't even enjoy the next few segments of this show. Like, okay, the next segment was the young blood getting jumped by Rex Lowen backstage. At the parking lot, I think, or that was a few segments ago. And now it's Frankie 13 running up the ringside area. Being interviewed by, I think, Talahalia, but he's saying, No, no, I don't have time for this. I need to call someone. I gotta get out of here because someone's gonna get me. And a few seconds later, or a few minutes later, Rex Lowen pops out to the ringside, chasing Frankie 13 with a kendo stick around the ringside. And then outside of the ringside, because they kind of left towards the exit or parking area of Venice Canal Mall. And man, was Frankie sprinting like crazy, like running very fast. Man, that was, you know, pretty fast, if you know what I mean. And now, speaking of that, let's go on to the main event. This main event was very good. I mean, if I wasn't shocked, this would have been D. Moment of the night, Robin Sane versus Moises Liwanag for the MWF Championship. Before the show, Moises and the House of Liwanag 
were already asking Robin saying, Would you rather be a good dad or would you rather be a champion? Trying to play head games with a champion as if to say that he can't be both a good champion or a good father to his kid. The match started with Moises using his sheer size and strength to power out against Robin Sane's offense. But Robin Sane matched wits using his speed and agility to take the advantage in this one-on-one MWF title match at the main event. Springboard splash by Robin Sane on Moises only gets a two count. Moises Liwana powers up and delivers some punishing clubs to Robin Sane. Heck, there was this one time I felt the ring moved after Robin Sane was sent to a corner and Moises Liwanag followed him over there. Now, before, like, the first version of Moises Liwanag, he's not as hard-hitting as this new version of Moises. So, something really has changed by the brother of light in Moises Liwanag. Moises Liwanag delivers a rolling Samoan drop on Robin Sane for two. He grabs him in a torture rack and drops him on the mat. Liwanag would continue to assault Robin Sane until the MWF champ would fight back with an amazing spinning head scissors that takes down Moises. Moises is on the corner. Robin Sane delivers some hard corner knee strikes on his opponent. At one point, Robin Sane goes to the top rope, but Brother Jomar... Good. Brother Jomar distracts Robin Sane on the top rope, and Moises brings him down with a spinning powerbomb. And it was an amazing spinning powerbomb by Moises Liwanag. But the champion still got up. While Moises and the referee were outside after that powerbomb. Jomar and Jorel go into the ring to attack Robin Sane. But Robin Sane, the MWF champion, fights back and sends both Jorel and Jomar down on the mat. He even delivers the spider driver on brother Jomar only for Moises to go back and assault him from behind and deliver the devastating backbreaker on the MWF champion. Everything seemed to be in a bleak course for Robin Sane after Moises slams him on the mat and pins him for the three count but he still got his shoulder up before the count of three. Near the end of the match Moises said something about Robin Sane's daughter that got the ire of the MWF champ and he eats a super kick care of Robin Sane. Robin Sane goes up, delivers a 450 on Moises. Is he going to pin him? No, he goes up and hits a second 450 splash on Moises Liwanag. Is it enough? No, there's a third one. And before he would hit the third one, Moises slowly rose up just to taunt him again, only to eat the third and final 450. One, two, three. Your winner and still MWF champion, Raw Bin Sane. And after the match, he got on the mic and said, he's doing this for his family and wishes everyone a happy Father's Day. And if we thought that was the ending, we are dead wrong ass. Coco Gus comes out yet again to ringside and announced that the next 
match, the main event, even though it was Kyle Season who won the number one contendership just a few minutes before the main event, it's going to be Rob Insane facing someone else at the next event of MWF. It will be none other than Ho Ho Lun. That's right, it's part three of Ho Ho Lun versus Rob Insane. And it's gonna happen at Lucky Chinatown Mall for MWF 10 Republica. And that's how the show ended. So yeah, that's my review. I I pretty much liked the show. I just wish that we could have heard the live feed videos of the show. But technical difficulties and it was a bit frustrating because we want to know what was going on what they were saying etc etc but hey maybe in the next show we're gonna hear it and it's gonna be awesome and while there's like sponsor spots i kind of get it like it has to be there because the show is free guys it, that's the price we gotta pay so yes thank you to the mwf for putting on a nice free show and i can't wait to go to lucky chinatown mall Unless I have some family stuff to deal with, then yeah, I won't be there. And I hope someone will be there so we can talk to him or her. And that's it, guys. Thank you for listening to Jobber Talk. Please help the site and suck by being a monthly patron. That's patreon.com slash hell14. Please follow us on the Twitter. That's at CS14. I also have a Facebook for Jobber Talk. So please like the page, facebook.com slash Jobber Talk. Check out our other shows like Third World Gaming, Third World Linux, Bodega Nights, and Radio Norm. Happy birthday, Norm. And that's it. See ya.